This is the Love and Sex Unfiltered Podcast. Hosted by licensed marriage and family therapist and certified Gottman Method couples therapist, Sonia Jensen. Let's dive into the unfiltered side of what it takes to create communication, intimacy, and chemistry, not just in relationships with a partner, but the relationship you have with you. Here's your host, Sonia Jensen. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Love and Sex Unfiltered podcast. I am inviting my wonderful husband, Eric, into this next podcast, and we're going to be talking about burnout. Yes. (laughs) This is one of Eric's favorite topics. I actually picked this topic just for him. So Eric and I, being married 16 years, so when we first got married, Eric was in the military. He was in the U.S. Navy. He was a search and rescue swimmer, and then you also moved into in-flight helicopter mechanic. Yeah. And then we um, he transitioned into sales to get out of the military um, and sales took him traveling all over the place and oftentimes mimicked you being in the military because you were gone so much. And we even in, in his stint in the military went through how many two nine month deployments and countless other months here and three months there. And we how many job changes did you have? Um um, well, I'm on my fourth career now. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for reference, Eric is almost 40. I was teasing him how, how old he is. You're such an old fart. I'm, <laughs> I'm younger. I'm younger than you. Eric, uh, in our, our most recent, where burnout really comes into play in our story, um, he got out of the military, moved into sales. We made a huge transition out of the military and moved from, we were stationed in San Diego and we moved up to Portland, Oregon randomly. We had nobody there, but I grew up there. So I was like, I want to go see what it's like to live there as an adult. And you really struggled with the transition out of the military and we didn't like it there. He was used to San Diego. And uh, so within nine months we moved and I took a position at an integrative medicine clinic. I was uh, their director of allergy and nutrition. I did that for about three years, four years while you were selling medical device back in San Diego. And then I went to grad school. And so, and this is where your burnout story kind of begins, because in order for me, I, I really decided, yes, I, I really want to become a therapist. Um, I had finished my bachelor's degree while um, you were in the military. And so I was like, it's time for me to go get my master's degree. But in order for us to afford me uh, not working essentially to full-time pursue this, Eric had to work full-time and then take on his own master's degree to get the GI benefits. Yeah, the stipend, the, the monthly stipend. The monthly stipend. So at the same time, we had to go through our master's programs together while he was also still in traveling sales. We definitely, that's when our burnout started. We didn't really know how to communicate very well or even understand what burnout was. So Eric, if you could, before we go through the rest of the story, what do you think your definition of burnout is? Oh, where your energy is depleted every day and it doesn't regenerate and you keep going to work and there's more depletion and no regeneration of energy. And it's a complete loss of energy balance and you're still having to show up and do the work, you know, because that's the only way to get paid. And I got, you know, a family to provide for. And so I just had to suck it up and do what I had to do to provide for the family and um, at, at that cost. And it was years of, of going to work this way and just not seeing any value in what I was doing either was the other thing. Uh, you know, I think that 
when I got out of the Navy, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And sales was an easy way for me to get a job and yeah. transition, but it was not what I wanted. So it was, that was also added to the level yeah. of burnout as yeah. well. So here we are, we're in grad school together and I'm almost finishing my first year of grad school. I'm in the week of finals. Eric's on a trip. Um, we ha- Our son is five at this time. He's almost six. And we were at that place in our lives where like, we don't want any more kids. Um, we are happy just raising our son and being working professionals. And so Eric's on a trip and I realized, I realized that I was pregnant while he was gone on that trip. So that was a huge component for us that led at least to the start of my burnout with you. And I, I don't even think you knew how to help me. And this will be a whole nother podcast in and of itself. And so here we are, we're, we're pregnant, we're in grad school, Eric's working a full-time job. I end up miscarrying that pregnancy, uh, which led to a lot of trauma uh, for me personally. And Eric didn't know how to connect with me. He didn't know how to help me. So our relationship really started um, to disintegrate uh, at that time. We eventually worked and processed through that. And Eric, after graduation, took a position out of California into Illinois. It was a it was a promotion. He became a national director of sales. And so now he was going to be all over the United States as opposed to just in um, you know California, Oregon, Nevada, and Washington. So we graduate, literally we finish school and a week later we do a cross-country move to Illinois. We bought our first house uh, and I'm like, ooh, now we can start trying to get pregnant again. And poor Eric just went right into this new job and started traveling. I think you were gone pretty much every week, all weeks, like Sunday mm-hmm. night to maybe Friday night at midnight or Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Second week in the job, yeah. I started traveling. Yeah. And so the way we would see each other like one day a week and I, we'd never had issues with, you know, alcohol before. I think we would share like a two buck chuck from Trader Joe's like once a weekend. Like we never. Or a six pack and yeah, we'd share that. And we'd share, you know, for so. the whole weekend. So we, we didn't, we didn't drink. And so I started noticing that the times that Eric was home, he was drinking more. Um, and he kept telling me like, this job isn't working for me. And I was, again, here's my fear of scarcity coming up. I was like, you have to stick it out. Um, we just bought a house here. Our son's in school. I'm trying to get pregnant again. Like you have to suck it up. And so this went on for, you lasted maybe what, seven, eight months in this. A total of 11 months when I finished. Yeah. So your burnout was your burnout was bad. And I was like an ostrich with my head in the sand, just hoping it would be okay. And I don't remember exactly how our conversation went down, but you kept talking about getting a new position um, and having to get out of the current one that you were in. So on a whim, we we what we put we listed our house for rent because we couldn't sell it. Um, You quit your job. I quit my job that I loved. And we put everything in a U-Haul and moved to Sacramento to be near your family um, at, at, on 100% commission sales. And I had no job. And of course, I was still forcing him to try to get pregnant. It was totally a great move. Um, lots of good rational decision-making skills involved in that. And I watched Eric pull away from me after that, like he would want to spend more time, you know, with his buddy, who was also his brother-in-law, and he would stay out increasingly longer and longer times. He would be drinking more. 
And I just was so, I finally had to get a job working in community mental health and that tanked me. And so our relationship took a huge hit. And in the midst of all of that, I'm still forcing him to try to get pregnant. Um, We're living on half the salary we had ever lived on before. And we ended up getting pregnant while we were in Sacramento. And it ended up being an ectopic pregnancy. So I was in the hospital for that. And I had to do a procedure. And we were just, we were tapped out. We were... We were so fried that we, we then quit our jobs again, right, Eric? We, right. We, we quit both of our jobs again. And on a whim, Eric made a connection with a mortgage company in Sacramento no, or San in San Diego. And we packed up our U-Haul and our son and we drove to San Diego and Eric started a position with a mortgage company that was 100% commission sales. And one month in, I got pregnant um, with our daughter, uh, who is now almost six years old. But tell everybody a little bit about what that process, because the burnout was already starting, but the burnout really became almost overwhelming and out of control um, once you started working in mortgage. Well, when I was took that national sales and marketing director position, I was traveling every week. Um, just, I hated being away from my family that much. Um, I was tolerating it at like 50 to 60% travel, but when it went up to 90, 95% travel, that's what really bothered me. And I'd be shown up to these hotels and they are, they are more my home than my actual home was like the Hampton Inn was my home away from home. And it sucked. I felt like I was divorced. Like I, and I was just like a seeing my kids on the weekend and I and I was going back to my home at the Hampton Inn. That's what it felt like. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but when you when you hit mortgage, you started you started hiding alcohol. You started making yeah. big purchases like the yeah. Jeep, right? Behind yeah. my back and So the alcohol was just I was just coping with that, you know, um all throughout my time as that sales and mar- sales marketing director. And it just grew into this coping mechanism, this drinking habit that I developed through that. And it, and I couldn't shake it after I left that job because the burnout was just stayed with me as I went and tried doing this commission job in Sacramento for six months. And that was super stressful. So, again, I was using alcohol to cope. And then when we went to mortgage, you know, it was a very fast-paced environment, um, very um, – aggressive, you know, um, culture, uh, at, in those buildings. And so alcohol was, uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, and so it just was enforced as a coping mechanism for me. Mm-hmm. And so, and then when, you know, moving back to San Diego, higher cost of living. So now I have increased burden to, to make more money, uh, and a new baby, and on a the new way. baby on the way, another increased burden to make more money. I never once had a break. I've never had more than one week off. I never even had a week off for my entire working existence. So like this, this, there was no, never a break or rest for me. So going into mortgage was now I'm working like 10 AM to 9 PM, five, six days a week, you know, trying to manage a pipeline there. And it just got so much that the burden on me with that, I couldn't do anything else. I was stuck and I felt stuck but it was a way to make money as a way that we could survive. And, you know, and it didn't matter where we lived or what nice things we were able to have. Once I started making better money in mortgage, it just 
like the defeat of just that constant grind, always hunting for the next dollar, you know, like it just, there was never a letdown for me because if I wasn't working, I wasn't producing and therefore that would reflect on my next paycheck. And so I had this scarcity of not being able to look away from any opportunities. I mm-hmm. I had to follow every opportunity and that involved me working around the clock. And while you were in mortgage, you were, you know, one of the top mortgage brokers in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you've really risen to the top and, and that took its toll on your body, your mental health, your physical health. It took a toll on our family. I kind of, I think, again, kept sticking my my head in the sand, hoping that it would get better or trusting the things that he was telling me. Well, the election happened. And at the time, the type of mortgage you were doing, which was primarily, you know, refinance dried up mm-hmm. for a little bit. And you looked at me and you said, we got to get out of California. We can't we can't stay here. And of course, there was so much shame and embarrassment. And I was watching you kind of crumble and hoping that you would somehow get it together. And I could, you know, beat you over the head with enough shame to get you to <laughs> to, to uh, one day be happy and be find your motivation again. But I would I really notice he'd come home and he would completely detach to his phone. And of course, I'm tired trying to raise at this time, you know, a, a newborn and our son and navigating that. So we we picked we picked Austin, Texas on a map and we moved here. And <laughs> basically, basically what you're going to hear is that we move a lot. And, and so we get here and I had never thought being a marriage and family therapist that, you know, I would be able, you know, they tell us in grad school, most marriage and family therapists make 40, 50,000 a year. And that's with a hundred thousand in student loan debt. And so I was like, I'm going to be a civil servant and I'm not going to make much money. And I started after we were in Texas for a few, what was it? Like a, a few months I start. I finally got my license here in Texas and started my own company. Essentially, the company that is now Sonia Jensen Counseling and Coaching. And I, I finally, as I was learning a lot more and getting my certification in Gottman therapy, Gottman Method Couples Therapy, I really started to realize and allow myself to look at how bad things had gotten for my partner. Your health was gone. We were fighting about alcohol. We were fighting about money. And I finally had to look at him and I said, you, you got to quit your job. And uh, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know if we could afford it. Um, but I was watching him deteriorate and my shaming him and trying to help him get motivated to go to the gym and eat healthy, like it would last for such a short period of time. And so we were we were at a kid's birthday party. We were talking to some random guy about like his job and he was a nurse. And I remember in our early, you know, relationship, Eric really wanted to um, always be in the medical field. Um, And I told him, I said, you, you need to, you need to quit your job and you need to become a nurse. And and here we are two years later and you are in your final year of Mm -hmm. your, your BSN, um, your, your bachelor's of science in nursing, um, I don't know about you, but maybe um, you can say, talk a little more about your experience. Would you say that you're completely out of burnout at this point? Or maybe you can tell people the steps that you've been taking to get out of burnout. Oh, it took so long to get out of burnout. Um, it's it's not something that happens overnight, especially when you've been in burnout for as long as I was. You know, I never wanted to be in sales, like even though I was really good at it and I made it was very successful. It wasn't something that I wanted. I I never found like 
I, I never found it worthy to tell people what I did for a living. It wasn't something I was like very proud of. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't my why. It wasn't life giving. Yeah. To you. It was not life giving to me. And so, so I wanted to have a job that was life giving. I see, I saw Sonia, you know, have that experience in counseling and telling me all these stories of how she's helped her um, clients out and the big breakthroughs and just seeing the joy that she got from that. I was like, I just started to become like jealous of that. Like not of her, but of that experience of having, of having that. And, and I told her that I was like, this is what you have is what I want. I want to have that for myself. And so I found that nursing was going to provide that for me. And once I was able to connect with my why and figure out what I'm really proud of and what fits my sweet spot, looking back over the last 15 plus years of work history, what's worked for me, what hasn't, what I liked, what I disliked, I was able to kind of come up with an idea of, you know, that I can match to a career. Like, and I found that nursing was, was that for me. It fit all the check boxes for me mm-hmm. and more. What would you say to somebody who doesn't know like where to even begin on trying to figure out what fulfills them? Do you remember what that process was like for you? Yeah, I just started looking back at like what just what I liked. Everything that I liked, all the jobs I had. And just started making a list of things that I really liked. What what, what about that I liked? Why Why did I like that? And then looking at all the things that I didn't like, making a list of that and analyzing it. Why did I not like that? What was it about that that I didn't like? And I started coming across these themes. And so I started real, find, figuring out like what my real identity was. I, I think I didn't know, I didn't have an identity per se, an occupational identity at least. Which is a big uh, part of yeah. your personal identity yes. as a whole, right? So Yeah, exactly. Um and so that really helped me figure out who I was. I didn't know that who I was. I didn't spend a lot of time like I'm not a journal tarp type person, so I don't really spend a lot of time like I tried to get him to journal. It didn't Yeah. He didn't he didn't <laughs> want to hear from his wife, the therapist, about therapisty things to do. So <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> well, and I and I think I wonder if our story can come across as kind of like, wow, um, you guys were able to make some pretty big decisions. I mean, these were huge risks without any kind of we had no we had no fallback plan. It was kind of like I don't know if I'd recommend it for everybody, but for us and and what we needed, we just had to take these risks, not knowing where they were going to lead us. We had, we knew that the burnout was bad. We knew that it was like our lives as they were, were not sustainable and that we had to be willing to take a risk. And this goes into, um, you know, just to bring it to the Gottman method, because I'm a super huge Gottman nerd, is all about the meaning system of the house. You know, and there's two components to that. Are we our partner's greatest cheerleader? So are we sharing our dreams uh, with our partner and are they helping us get there? And then the second component of that component of that is creating shared dreams together. Like, why are we married? You know, what is this all for? And how is it different from any other relationship? And so I felt like Eric in his burnout, you know, both verbally and non-verbally was communicating to me that he had a dream to leave sales. He had a dream to find something that was fulfilling for him. And I really had to step up my game to support him and trust in my own ability to build a brand and build a business and take that risk. And then together, 
we created this kind of shared meaning in our relationship that no matter what, we were going to support each other's dreams. We were going to make sure that our kids saw two people that loved each other and that were willing to fight for each other and were willing to make compromises and take big risks to make sure that each person's uh, needs were being honored in, in the relationship. And that hasn't always been easy. I mean, we've we got into major debt doing that. We, we, we really, truly put ourselves out there. And we we're, we we're so fortunate um, in terms of that. We just kept going. We didn't give ourselves the option to fail. So even when things were really <laughs> tough, we just could, we couldn't give up. We just had to do what we had to do to make it worth it. Work, to make it work. And and so through the process of Eric transitioning, you know, he took some a few months off of of work and um, you've had breaks here and there um, while you've been in school. But at the same time, we've had to work to delineate out our roles and make what we do in the house and what we do outside the house more balanced to get you out of burnout. We've had to uh, give you room and space, myself included, for independence uh, we have had to work really hard on what we put in our bodies and how we move our bodies. So we both work out twice a week. We we support each other in making sure exercise is a habit that we stick to because your stress hormones mm. need those completed stress cycles and working out to really to help with managing stress. Well, that's so true. Exercise is like, <laughs> like such a low-key amazing medicine to take for hormone regulation it's ridiculous yeah we've had to have you you know if i go get physicals we've had to get physicals we've had to be evaluated by an amazing psychiatrist um that a lot of my clients listening to this probably know who i'm talking about you know we had to also really reduce the pressure and load on you to let you heal and Mm. and i think i'm i'm still having to let you heal now even three years later after all of that um, and giving you a lot of grace and seeing who you are and who you're becoming and allowing that to take shape and develop in its own time Um, instead of focusing on all that you weren't doing all that you couldn't do all that who you couldn't be for me so Mm. that you could learn yourself I was like this angry caterpillar going into this cocoon yeah and i'm in the, <laughs> right. still in the cocoon and in a year from now when i graduate i'll be breaking out into this one wonderful butterfly yeah but you, out of burnout <laughs> but, but your body took the hit my body took the hit our kids took the hit and we had to learn like there was certain risks that we had to be willing to take to live out our value system and we had to create a values. We had to come up with our own values, the things that drive us and the way we want to be making decisions. And we had to share that with each other in a vulnerable way. And then we had to merge those together and find a way to build that for our family. And so I, I really want your takeaway on this podcast to be that burnout is a very real, it's a very real thing. And honestly, I, I haven't met an adult yet that doesn't experience some form of burnout. So we often focus on our partner's behaviors as the problem, but those behaviors are symptoms. And and don't be like me. Don't don't stick your head in the sand and hope it gets better. Start talking to each other. Like, you know, you're drinking a lot after work. How how was work this week? What's what's going on um, at work? And really being genuinely curious instead of I would always be like, oh, you're drinking. Is that your second beer? 
Was that your third beer? And I would be really mean and condescending about it. And, and we've had to work together on communicating and him opening up to me to tell me what was really going on and, and me getting myself out of a place of judgment and moving into curiosity to get him to share what was happening with me so I could be aware and I could help him. So there's no one right quick way to get out of burnout. It takes a lot of time to get out of, a lot of grace, a lot of patience, a lot of hard work and effort to find yourself again and to rebuild yourself. And then to stay out of burnout, you have to stay really close to who you are. You have to keep talking to yourself. That's the benefit of journaling if I could ever get Eric to do it. <laughs> identifying your feelings, identifying your needs, right? And, and learning how to check in with yourself, learning what you're doing when you're, and when your body feels most nourished. Keep some level of discipline going, um, even when you don't feel like it. Like doing this. I mean, it's 8 p.m. after a long day of work. You've been in your peds rotation for 12 hours, and he's sitting in the closet doing this with me. And I had eight hours of back-to-back -to -back couples today and then need dinner for our kids. Like, we're exhausted. But this giving information to other couples and reaching a broader audience is something that is fulfilling to me. And this is my self-care. Uh, this is my making sure that I don't get into burnout because what's really important um, and value to, valuable to me is is reaching and inspiring and empowering people. So, you know, it doesn't always feel good um, to do self-care. It's, it's, it's not always going to feel like you want to do it. So take your time, be patient with each other, move into curiosity, be your partner's biggest cheerleader. But again, this isn't, you know, this isn't black and white and every couple's relationship is different. So don't, don't be afraid to go see a counselor who can help you start to have these conversations and talk through things. We are so grateful you guys spent however many minutes with us. And babe, you are amazing. Thank you for sharing your story. I know people are going to really benefit from it and probably have lots of questions for you. So Maybe we'll make you available to answer more questions on the gram. And thank you for supporting me. And uh, uh, finally. <laughs> oh, shut up. <laughs> You're mean. It took me a while, y'all. It took me a while. All right. Bye, everyone. There you have it. If this episode hit home for you, take a second to share it with a friend, screenshot it, and share it on Instagram, or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to learn more tips and stay connected with Sonia, follow her on Instagram at the Sonia Jensen. And if you want to find more information, you can check out her website at www.sonyajensen.com. Until next time, remember, stay real, stay unfiltered, and dig deep.